Caution, the contents of this podcast may be historical, but they're still served piping hot. We're brewing up the classics here on the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. My name is Asa. And I'm Allison. This week we're still delving into Haydn's output, this time with a keyboard sonata, and you can bet this fully embodied the classical era's favorite thing, sonata form. The particular sonata that we'll be going into is the F major Hob 1623. Hey, Allison, what does Hob stand for? Well, it's great that you asked. It is actually the standard organizational system that's been adapted particularly for Haydn's works, rather than the normal opus numbers that you might notice with other composers like Beethoven. So this system was specifically devised by a Dutch professor, Anthony von Hoboken, which is where the Hob comes from. He attempted to categorize Haydn's works into different genres, and then from there he put them in as close to chronological order as possible, Though for many of Haydn's works, since they were not published right away after composition, it was kind of hard to know exactly when they were written. So let's get back then to the hob at hand. We actually do know this sonata was meant to be published, and it was written in 1773, when Haydn was still working for Nicholas Esterhazy. But he was finally going to publish a set of piano sonatas for the public. He wrote the numbers 21 through 26, thus including our current focus, number 23, with the intention to publish them from the beginning. Our particular sonata today is actually one of the most famous of the bunch. It is technically challenging, yet delightful to the listener. As we'll get into in the second movement, some regard this writing as some of Haydn's most beautiful of his entire output. So let's start with our first movement, of course starting in our home key of F major. Here is our first theme of our sonata form. Notice there's also a small bridge that modulates us from F major to C major, the fifth, which then leads us into our second theme that starts in C major. So something you might not immediately notice by listening, but will see the second you take a look at the score is that Haydn chose to write this movement in 2-4 time but with a lot of 16th and 32nd notes. Now that might seem weird because the tempo isn't all that fast but by writing these extensively subdivided notes he's essentially making each 2-beat measure sound to create a whole 4 beats worth of material. But I would ask why not just write it in 4-4 and use 8th notes instead? A far easier way to read music, but we may never know. It might just be Haydn's unique brand of humor coming through (laughs) once again. Real funny, Haydn. So after our exposition section, we of course have a development section. 
and we seem to go through a lot of modulations very quickly, but they all make incredibly logical sense as they follow the circle of fifths, meaning that each following key is just a fifth away from the key before it. So let's take a look. We begin with our first theme reiterated in C major, no sharps or flats, and move to F major. We then go from F major with one flat, a fifth down to B flat major with two flats. From here, we change the sequence a little. We stay with our two flats and jump from major to minor instead, so B flat major to G minor, which is the relative of B flat. And then we start turning it back around the circle of fifths and go to D minor, which is the relative of F major with just one flat. We then continue on for a while in this relative minor key to our original F major home key with a minor rendition of the second theme. We eventually get to a section that sounds almost baroque with flowing 32nd notes that pass effortlessly from the treble to bass. This serves as the perfect way to easily sequence ourselves into a modulation to C major. And finally, we arrive back at the recapitulation section with our home key of F major playing back our original first theme. And as is standard in the recapitulation, the second theme is played right in the home key as well. This time it doesn't modulate to the fifth. But that doesn't mean we can't focus on the fifth. In fact, we need to in order to set up a really great ending. Haydn emphasizes it here with a trill in the bass on C. And aren't we glad we built up that anticipation? Here's our final perfect cadence. So now we will boldly go on to the second movement. This movement isn't quite as complex as the first movement's sonata form. Rather, it's in a simple A-B form, which we can tell by a double bar and repeat that's placed conveniently at the middle of the movement, which visually divides the two sections. Our first section starts in F minor. This movement is actually inspired by the Baroque dance style of the Siciliano, which is exemplified in the opening phrase. This slightly offbeat rhythm doesn't last long, though. 
Haydn quickly takes us into straight triplets, which mesh nicely with the constant triplets that he already set up in the bass. Though this piece harkens back to the Baroque era, it also sounds a bit romantic. Think Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata for a comparison. The B section does use material from the A section, but it's in a very different key from the start of the movement. Now we're in B flat minor, which is the fourth of F. But what really sounds jarring is that we start on the diminished seventh chord of this key, and that's a very dramatic sound to start on. Through expert modulating, Haydn eventually does get us back to F minor for a nice little ending in that home key. And now our final third movement, which surprisingly is actually also in sonata form. So here we go again with a first theme, of course, in F major. We get a little bit of an episode of 16th notes hurrying along before getting back to that same melodic material but modulated to C major. And it's such a slick modulation that unless you really listen to the two played one right after the other, you might not tell where we've gone. section here starts off quite startlingly. Right away, we're in the key of G minor, and we have somewhat new sounding material that recalls the 16th note bridge from the exposition. But finally, we get back to our first theme, and we take it through the keys. We also have a section here where Haydn plays around with only the first big interval of the theme, and slowly walks it down through different keys. The upper notes and lower notes of each eighth note grouping are offset where they change in the measure. For example, at first, the top note plays B-flat on beat 1, moves to A-flat on beat 2, but stays on A-flat for beat 1 of the next measure, before moving to G on beat 2. Conversely, the lower notes start with C, played on the upbeat of beats 1 and 2. Then, in the next measure, changes right away to play B-flat on both of those upbeats. Essentially, the time the upper and lower notes change is offset by one upbeat. But 
there's more. Development. Yay. Hayden still wants to move through different keys with us, and some of the harmonies he produces makes our little theme actually sound quite grand. And once more now we round out into our recapitulation. But Haydn extends the theme for a little more playtime, and it's not the same standard eight bars with a nice cadence. Now, we introduce sequencing. What is special about this recapitulation section is that it really does try to return to F major very often to reinforce that tonic key. Let's talk about the ending here. It's actually quite subdued, but it is technically a perfect cadence. So usually when you think of a perfect cadence, it's as some big grand orchestrated thing that moves from five to one with such force that you can feel all the harmonics right down to your bones. And in this example, we still have that five to one, but the last thing we hear is a quiet little F and A that are played alone in the right hand. It still works. The lowest note is still our tonic note, and we're not in an inversion, but it's just so meek compared to what we're usually set up for. But you know, it's probably just another one of Haydn's jokes, setting us up for something and delivering something completely different. We talk about Haydn's musical humor a lot when we're talking about the composer in the past couple episodes, and I think this sort of piece really reinforces why he was so good at that. In this, you have your, your perfect modulations and your bog-standard sonata forms, and then when something comes out of left field, it works, because you are set up, because Haydn does such a good job of creating what you expect, he can then subvert it in some really unexpected ways. A true master. And in our next episode, look forward to another thing that he was a true master of, the symphony. Some might say the father of the symphony. Ooh. For the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast, I'm Asa. And I'm Allison. Thank you so much for listening. Keyboard Sonata in F Major, Hob 1623, was performed by Ivan Eilert. You can find the Coffeehouse on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Email us at coffeehouseclassical at gmail.com. Ooh.